I'm Kim, and welcome to Tessa Turk's podcast, You Can't Eat the Sunshine, for the week of March 16th, 2015. Join us this week as we talk with architect Wade Killifer, partner at Killifer Flamang, about the firm's recent renovation of the 19th century Pershing Hotel at the corner of 5th and Main. We'll also visit with Donald Spivak, former Deputy Chief of Policy and Operations for the CRA Los Angeles, about working with Wade to preserve and maintain the affordable housing stock of Skid Row. So stay tuned. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to our podcast, You Can't Eat the Sunshine, for the week of March 16th, 2015. This week, our guest will be Wade Kellifer. Wade is a principal partner at Kellifer Flamang, seeing his wife, Barbara. They, um, everything you know about loft, about adaptive reuse in downtown is one of their buildings. Okay, not everything, 100%, but like 8 out of 10. We'll talk to Wade about his most recent work downtown for SRO Housing Trust, which is the Pershing Hotel, and we're just we're gonna we'll get into to their adaption, their their remodel for that, uh, which was very involved. And our second guest will be Donald Spivak. Donald Spivak is former Deputy Chief of Operations and Policy for the Community Redevelopment Agency of Los Angeles. Donald and Wade go back. A long, long time. Uh, Senator Apartments and the Crescent Arms uh, were two early and important conversions uh, to save affordable housing stock in Skid Row. And Donald's going to do two things. He's going to, first of all, give an overview of the history of Skid Row and the affordable housing crisis that, uh, as, as a side effect of an unforeseen policy decision in the 1970s, which uh, which required the CRA to go in and create nonprofit housing trusts to save affordable housing stock in Skid Row, and that goal was met with the objective to hire Wade to restore uh, projects like the Senator and the Crescent Arms, and eventually the Genesis. And we're just gonna, so so we're going to go from a very uh, high view of affordable housing on Skid Row to a very specific view with Donald of, of his work with Wade and the projects, early projects he and Wade did. So that's, so it's just, it's nothing but downtown. So Kim, Kim, thank you for, for being here as always. I know I that I, I know right you're, you're my wife. I know that's seven full-time jobs and you're also, your eighth full-time job is, is being the Pishka Maven. 
It's so true. The Pishka is the digital tip jar. It's associated with this podcast, and it's entirely at your discretion, dear listener. But if you like what we do in 101 episodes, we're, we're kind of going strong. No advertising, but we would love to have your support. So if you're so inclined, you can go to the podcast page and make a tip in the form of a digital transaction. We are always so grateful for your support. It helps uh, fund gasoline, good nature, chili rano burritos, and so forth on our trips around the Southland to find wonderful people to talk to for you to listen to. Never obligatory. Always appreciated. Thanks for your support. Great. Okay, Kim. Perfect. So let's let's just move into the closely watched train section of our podcast. Uh, we'll start... Okay, Broadway is on my mind. As always, we're, we're just going to call out the, the Boomiler building. This is a beautiful Beaux-Arts eight- or nine-story building on Broadway. It's between 3rd and 4th. It's on the east side of the street. It's got this wonderful dark green, uh, dark green terracotta. It's, it's one of these great... I'm going to use the term loft, not in the sense of a um, rental unit or a... Uh, condo unit, as most people associate lofts, but loft as in the, the building just consists of, of entire stories of the building just wide open because that's, the building was, was, was built for ground floor retail and then upstairs there was, there was storage and, and offices and that's, so th- this, is, this is the type of building. Kim, just let the cats be. It's they're, okay. They're fighting. That's fine, Kim. The cats are fighting. That's great. Okay. Okay. Don't worry about I'm just it. Concerned about I need you to focus on me. All right. Okay. I'm right here. They stop so fighting. the the building is opening up. I think that buildings like the Boomiler and there there are five or six uh, from fifth up through third that are opening up like this, similar ilk, and I just think it's really great. I know Kim that uh, the, the the rental price is around three dollars a square foot, which seems a bit dear. For for Third and Broadway, but I'm going to let you ruminate on that. And I'm just I'm just excited. These buildings are being reactivated because that's that's what has to happen on Broadway. Oh no, it's fantastic. Uh, it, it's a beautiful building. You may not have ever noticed it just because yeah. it's it's a rather modest building. But when you stand on the other side of the street, as we have so many times, and just try to look at every building as a single standalone, you'll you'll find it's a very striking thing. And um, it it was, you know, single floors straight across. It's been split up now yeah. into a number of individual units. Uh, as Richard said, they're outrageously priced. I mean, that's kind of a scuzzy part of Broadway. I'm sorry. I'd like to see it come back. Um, you it, know, it, it It will. It will. But, you know, you want to get good tenants in and you want to be reasonable. The The units are not huge. The kitchens are... Very utilitarian. Um, you know, just let people move into your goddamn apartment and, and don't be so precious about it. And we'll get some street life on Broadway and we'll get fewer uh, strong arm robberies at the Famima and more good things coming. I, I'm just reminded of that awful building um, down by the Ross where the beautiful marble and gold facade was covered with brown stucco and the developer was charging similarly outrageous prices and, and couldn't fill the building, you know. Um, I think a little less greed and a little more sensitivity to the beauty of these structures and also the importance of building a community downtown that can actually live and work in these groovy spaces would go a long way. Thank you, Kim. Finish that sip of tea because you get to talk about um, Tom Gilmore and his vision. (sighs) Yeah. For those of you who don't know, I come out of the fine art world 
master's degree in art history, a lot of museum curation work. I helped put together the extraordinary performance art show at MoCo, which some of you may have seen in the mid-90s. And um, I don't get it. You know, I don't understand how it is that uh, Tom Gilmore, a developer who really got lucky in the early days of adaptive reuse, got a lot of funding from external sources, was able... And hired Wade. And hired Wade and got a lot of help from the CRA, paying off tax liens so that buildings could be obtained, is suddenly uh, letting go of all of his restaurant holdings, uh, but at the same time supposedly building what seems to be an alternative version of Mocha and or the Broad, a contemporary art museum at the corner of 4th and Main to encompass the interiors, the, the non-residential and part of the parking lot interiors of three buildings at that corner, uh, two of which are historic cultural landmarks, the Farmers and Merchants Bank and the Hellman Building, for this thing that's going to hang off the side of the building, according to the renderings, as some sort of uh, giant metal space squid designed by architect Tom Wiscombe. Um, and it's meant to be an exhibition space for contemporary downtown Los Angeles art. Yay, Art Walk. Yeah. Um, I, my, my belief about this, in the first place, um, two historic cultural landmarks one of which, the Farmers and Merchants Bank, still has important interior features in the basement, which I'm very, very concerned about, because they're talking about punching through walls and turning three separate buildings into one in some capacity. Um, that's very distressing, and I really hope the Office of Historic Resources is going to keep a close eye on this proposal. I don't know where the funding is coming from. I don't really know where the, the endowment for such a project is, unless it's going to be some sort of you know, rental space that's going to be self-sufficient. <laughs> You're laughing. And furthermore, I mean, it's an intersection that frequently stands in in motion pictures as a New York intersection. Many times we'll go by the Barclay and there's a little fake subway station out in front of it. Um, you know, the, the film industry was able to get rid of those green bike lanes that the city <laughs> put a great deal of time and money and, and brainstorming resources in because they said this is too difficult to uh, digitally remove, which isn't actually true. It would be a lot harder to digitally remove the space squid. But honestly, I think that this is just um, a publicity stunt. I don't really believe that it's being built. I, I think that uh, it's a way to stay in the news and stay relevant and keep an intersection that is really not terribly important in the evolving field that is downtown history uh, to keep it in the news and keep people talking about it. So everyone's chattering over on Curbed. My suspicion is that you are not going to see this museum <laughs> opened okay. up anytime soon. We, we don't know that, and, and we wish we wish Tom the best. He's an old locker mate of mine from the Los Angeles Athletic Club. Yeah, hands-off historic cultural landmarks. We don't wish anyone the best if they want to punch holes in historic cultural landmarks. Don't do that! Okay. Sorry. I, I, I still wish him the best. Um, I, I can I can just mean that as a general statement of goodwill. So Kim, we're we're gonna we're gonna move on. We're we're, we're moving on to Grand Avenue. Um, just I just want to keep I just want to keep this um, on the table occasionally. You know the Grand Avenue redevelopment. Um, the county of Los Angeles owns, and I still don't understand how this happened. But but right around the time of the Bunker Hill redevelopment project coming into being, the county of Los Angeles. Right before World War II and right after, 
purchase large tracts of land, not large tracts, but a tr tracts going from Union Station down first mm -hmm. and also down uh, and also along Grand. Um, and and so there, so the Grand Avenue redevelopment project, it's not a redevelopment, the Grand Avenue project has been a county project for decades. Glory Moline famously got the uh, developers, developer related to pay for and build Grand Park. And now that this incredibly vicious election is over in, in, in the early stages, how about that? Gloria Molina shook down Related and got a beautiful park. That was really awesome. And right. I think even people who supported Jose Wizar in the election should be able to turn around and say, that was really awesome. Thanks for that park, Gloria. Yeah, now Jose Wizar can fix Pershing Square. Um, so, so, Grant, so just I, I, Grand Avenue Project is important. The activation of first... Uh, from Union Station along uh, City Hall uh, to Broadway. These these are all really important avenues. Grand Avenue, First Street uh, channels to activate between the Civic Center and the historic core. And there seems to be just a bit of a snafu. Um, it looks like related, and their partner Nazarene, who's a hotelier, uh, are, are about to go Nazarene. They're they're about to go to court um, because Nazarene is pulling out of uh, the hotel part of the Grand Avenue redevelopment. So. Um, I don't think that's going to be done this year, but we'll we'll keep you posted. I'm kind of disappointed that we're not going to get really sketchy, mobbed-up hotels up on Grand Avenue. It'll be a lot more exciting than what we are going to get. I don't know what you mean by mobbed-up hotels, but I think that's very endearing and a wonderful antiquated phrase that that maps to something much more legitimate and concrete in today's words. But we are we are excited and we we, we look forward to the best for the Grand Avenue projects. I so, remember the good old days when when it was already hotels. Like, you know, Bunker Hill was full of hotels. We forget that sometimes. So, Kim, you know, just because the city wishes that it had the live work environment of pre-World War II Bunker Hill uh, doesn't mean that they're going to get it just because they wish they hadn't have torn it down and ruined it. So we're, we're going we're gonna to move on. Um, Kim, we're going to... Um, a couple weeks ago, we interviewed George, George Red Fox, uh, president of the Downey Conservancy, about the Taco Bell. And I hope the hashtag Save Taco Bell um, and that podcast did, did some good because, because you sent me a link. There's an article in the Huffington Post that... Taco Bell Corporate is doing a feasibility study to preserve and move the original Taco Bell. So this is good. It's a nice article. Just very quickly, because I, I don't, I want, I need to keep moving. But just, it looks like it, it, it's looking positive. They they're in touch with the owners. They're like, just give us, you know, just please give us a little, give us a little, give us a couple months. We want to figure this out, and they're figuring it out. Boy, if everything went like this, we wouldn't have a podcast. I call it preservation without tears. Everyone involved wants it to work. Yeah. There's money on the table. Yeah. There, there's the, the entities needed to physically move the building to figure out where it should be. Everybody's in place, and it's just a matter of time. Now, what's going to happen to this vintage Taco Bell? That's what gets really interesting. Wouldn't it be incredibly cool to open up a Taco Bell? With a with a 20-foot-tall Rainer Bannum. Standing in front of oh it. Oh my goodness, I wasn't going to say that. But that, you sure, yeah, let's have a Rainer Bantam statue. No, what if they made a Taco Bell and actually went back to the vintage recipes? I mean, that would be a dining destination. So just putting that out there, what if it was an old school Taco Bell? None of the new stuff, just the real 
Taco Bell. I have this funny feeling. I've already sent George an email. I have this funny feeling. I think I think you're going to be part of the feedback loop with corporate. That that whatever feedback loop Downey Conservancy has, I think you might get to explicitly be part of that. That is so sweet. I'm a vegetarian. I can't eat there. I'll have the cinnamon crispers. No, those came in in the 70s. Okay, Kim. It's okay. It's okay. It's 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 moving forward. It's good. It's exciting. Thank you, Kim. Your Hollywood tour launches in two weeks. Well, three? Uh, yeah, something like that. Three weeks? Two, uh, two, two. Oh my god, it launches in two weeks. Can we I'm have, almost done. I've got to put the slide show together. Caesar and I just drove the bus route. So it's, it's a good route. It's a strong route. It's We're full both of murder. Of, it's, okay. Greatest thing in the world is that our bus driver and I can drive the route in our car. <laughs> and, our bus, and Caesar can say things like, yeah, I can't make a left turn there. But I can make a left turn there. And, and, and I make a... So, sun, Sunset... Boulevard and Crescent Heights, um, you know that that boundary between West Hollywood and Los Angeles is a little is a little complicated over there. But that corner, that lot, is the city of Los Angeles. It sure it's is. the southwest corner, and it's now the bank. And it used to be the former Garden of Allah, uh, the original development by Allah Nazimova, which became a residency hotel with a bunch of bungalows. Uh, Chateau Marmont is across the street. All of that's Chateau Marmont still there. Garden yeah, it might of Olives. Well it's it, it so tight now. Yeah, the, 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 it's true, Kim. The Chateau Marmont might as well not exist, as far as I'm concerned. You can't even. You okay? You know, I used to. You know what? Okay, we're not even going there. No, but it's, it's no, true. No, I mean, that was a place you could walk into and feel like a human being. Now they look at you down their little noses and say, "What are you doing here?" Okay, Kim. So Frank Geary has been commissioned to design a retail residential development at the southwest corner of Crescent Heights and Sunset, the former location of the Garden of Olive, now currently a mid-century modern bank. And that's kind of interesting. I'm flabbergasted because this project has been on the table for quite a while with some really ghastly renderings. The community was up in arms because is. is what they already were when they saw the first renderings because they were looking at the, the, the parking plan and the entrance exit plans and they knew that it was going to create massive gridlock. And it, I guess the developers just decided that their PR was so bad they were going to have to go and, and pony up for, boy, talk about a marquee architect. I mean, worldwide, there's, there's probably few who are less expensive than uh, Frank Gehry, but he's hometown boy, and, and he's we haven't seen anything about what he has planned, but I guess they're hoping that the community will perhaps be a little more amenable to something that will raise their property values through its architectural significance. Uh, I don't know. This is going to be super interesting. And um, although we don't know what Gehry has planned, uh, there was some mention of honoring the history of the site in the design. So that'll be interesting because it's not just Garden of Allah at this point. You're also talking about, well, the bank itself has some has some fans. I mean, it's a nice mid-century modern bank with a beautiful multicolored glass panel that you can still see and, and an interesting sculptural feature. And also, you know, you had the uh, Pandora's box there on that inner, the kind of, Interesting triangle. Well, I mean, the traffic island used to be much bigger before the street was widened, and that was a centerpiece of teenage culture in the 1960s. It's the flashpoint for the famous riot on Sunset Strip when the sheriff's department... Even, um, even though that is Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles. Well, it is the city of Los Angeles, but it's the gateway to the Strip, which is run by the sheriffs, and when they implemented a teenage... Um, 
curfew. Curfew, thank you. A word I don't like. I couldn't even think about it. When they in- implemented a teenage curfew at the direction of the businessmen's organization further uh, west in the Strip, it resulted in this really incredible moment where the kids of Los Angeles and some of the rock and roll stars came out um, and, and marched for the right to simply have public space amenable and agreeable to them when their parents didn't mind them being out. It's a really interesting moment. And although people always say Joni Mitchell's song about paving paradise was written about that intersection, that was written about Waikiki, um, for what it's worth was written about that intersection. So I wonder what among this incredible layer of history and Schwab's across the street um, Geary might be drawing on. It doesn't really seem like a, a Geary sort of thing to do. Maybe it'll be in the interior decorative elements. Kim, that project is just going to be stupid. Okay, and that's just why we talked about it. So thanks, and and thanks for trying to have some goodwill to Frank Gehry. Okay, oh. God bless you. So uh, Kim, we're you're, you're you're reading a lot into it. I just you know I think it's super interesting. This is a very powerful corner. It means a lot, and we're going there on our Hollywood tour, not to talk about Frank Gehry. Okay, Kim, we're moving on. Um, we're done with closely watched trains, upcoming events. Uh, Nathan Marsak, Lava Visionary of the Year 2015, has his Richardsonian Roman esque talk that is saturday march sunday march 29th our lava sunday salons are back 2 p.m to 4 p.m library bar 6th and hope sign up register required Re- required exactly um free, so but you got it's, our, you it's, the, the sunday salons are back they're free they're a lot of fun you've got to rsvp so there you go next uh that's this month next month april April 26th, Sunday, April 26th, is Joan Job Smith's Lava Sunday Salon. She is my hero. I love Joan Job Smith. She's going to talk about uh, her memoir, uh, Tales of an Ancient Go-Go Girl. She's going to talk about her mentorship both ways, mentoring and being mentored by Charles Bukowski in the 1970s, and, and reading a bunch of poems about Orange County biker gangs. And she's just she's the best. So we're we're really really looking forward to that. Kim, we're gonna just I know there are no more events, so we're just gonna jump into this. We're gonna jump into our interviews. Okay, I'm gonna interview Donald second, so I'm gonna introduce Donald first. Okay, Donald Spivak, a regular on this on this series. We very dear man, one of our favorite people in the world, Donald. As many of you know, is former Deputy Chief of Policy and Operations for the Community Redevelopment Agency of Los Angeles. He, in the 1990s, worked on a number of projects with Wade, who was our first interview subject. Uh, they worked on the Senator and the Crescent Arms. Let me get, let me get that. Yep. Whoa. There we go. Yep, Senator and the Crescent Arms. So what's interesting, so, the tie, so there are several tie-ins between Donald and Wade. Um, one of one of them, and I'll just talk about them as they come into my mind, not necessarily in terms of precedence or, or significance. Uh, one of the tie-ins is that the senator is very similar project to the Pershing Hotel, which is the subject of our interview with Wade, the first interview for this podcast. The senator was a project they they worked on together, rehabilitating a low-income residency hotel on Skid Row, it's Ninth and Main. Um, the senator, basically they decided that, that for the sake of effective ownership of the street for the community, they needed to preserve the facade. It's a beautiful f- facade, and they needed basically just to build 
a modern structure in back of this this Beaux-Arts facade. So that's what they did. And the Pershing Hotel, which we'll talk to Wade about. And the first interview is the exact same model. So uh, they also worked on uh, Crescent Arms is another important um, SRO housing trust project they worked on together. And Donald will get in. We'll get into all of this. So I'll leave Donald to talk about what he wants to talk about, and I just wanted to, to make – that's what I do in this in the introductions is just make the connections. And you'll have some photos and people can look at that will be on the podcast page, yes? We'll have, um, some fo- we'll have some photos of the senator, yeah. Yeah, and we've got some great photos from the person. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, put up, we'll put up a photo set. Yeah, right. absolutely. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I just think it's worth mentioning because some people may be listening and they're not thinking about the podcast page, but if you want to know what these buildings look like – Go to the podcast page. Right. Okay. So, good. That's, that's Donald's our second interview. Our first interview, which we'll segue into once I set this up properly, is with Wade. Wade is uh, the, a principal at Killifer Fleming. Uh, that's he and his wife, Barbara, and uh, you name it, they've fixed it downtown. Um, let me get out my notes here because it is pretty exhaustive and I, I want to get, get it right because I don't, I, don't I don't want Wade to furl his brow as he's listening to this on his drive to work or on his way home uh, on, on Wednesday night. Um, so, uh, Wade, so back to Donald Spivak, right? Because these two are intrinsically, so, so back in, in the late 1990s, uh, the CRA building was at the, in the Banco Popular, the, the, um, the other Hellman brother, the Hellman brother, the younger, the Hellman building across, Herbert, is it Herbert? Baby brother. The baby brother, Hellman building across the Banco Popular. They're in those offices right across, okay, Herman, Herman Hellman, yes, baby brother of Isaiah's. Um, They're in the Herman Hellman building, Banco Popular is the blade sign. They're right across from the Continental Farmers and Merchants Bank, uh, Tom Gilmore walks in. Okay, maybe he doesn't walk into Donald Spivak's office, but v- v- in the late 1990s, he flies in. <laughs> there, there are a series of meetings. Uh, Gilmore and Associates has a line on some funding at the federal level for historic preservation of buildings, reuse of buildings, old buildings. The CRA is sitting across from an almost entire block from Fourth to Fifth Spring Domain of unused early 20th century, late 19th century business buildings that they don't know what to do with. And it's right across in their offices. And they really want to start getting some traction on redevelopment, redevelopment in a way which has nothing to do with the Bunker Hill redevelopment, redevelopment in a way which is empathic and, and fosters community. Real, a, a new holes in buildings. Goodwill, goodwill. New paradigm. Yeah. So, so Donald Spivak pays off the tax lien on the Continental Building. This allows the... Fe- no, wait, I thought the lien was on the Farmers and Merchants. No, the lien is on the Continental. Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay. The lien was on the Continental. Donald cleared this lien. By clearing this lien, they were able to begin to talk to the people in charge of this federal funding that said, okay, so the, the properties are free and clear. Okay, that's good. We like that. What is... What is uh, and, and we also like the fact that that the city is 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 put has put a stake in it by by paying off this tax lien. So let's go ahead and let's put this federal funding in place. And the old bank district was born, and that was the last of that federal money, which I think is very interesting. So, so the old bank district uh, consisted in, in totality of the Rowan Building, which which Wade did not work on. Uh, the old bank district. Redevelopment, which Wade did work on then in 1999, 2000, 
the Continental Building, the Hellman Building, which is the building that surrounds the Farmers and Merchants Bank, the, the slate-colored building, and across the street from 4th and Main, the San Fernando Building. Okay, and that was, Wade worked on that, and that was... That was a really that that was that was the first project to go through with the adaptive reuse ordinance for downtown. So this is a watershed project. It was just so interesting to think that that was just a decision made in part because of where the CRA's offices were, and it could have been so different. I mean, they could have picked four other buildings. They could have picked a different intersection. It wouldn't have necessarily been in the heart of the historic Skid Row. If it had been on Broadway, maybe things would have spread outward over time. I mean, those are different possible histories that we'll just have to speculate on. Someday someone will write a great science fiction story about adaptive reuse in Los Angeles. <laughs> Not right. me. All right, so so just just to wrap up this thread. So so that's how Wade got started. Uh, he, a, a couple years later, was on the, the mayor's board to re- refine the adaptive reuse ordinance. So he's been involved not only in rehabilitating buildings per the adaptive reuse ordinance, but he's involved in the feedback loop because he has a, he had has a lot of experience. Um, very quickly, uh, just to take a snapshot from about ten years ago. Uh, ten years ago, they were working on over a dozen downtown loft developments and six uh, low income developments uh, for Skid Row housing. So ten years ago, when downtown was really 10 years, 20 years of work was starting to coalesce, Wade was there. So he's a very important person in terms of the actual physical rehabilitation of downtown, everything we talk about. So we're super excited that he met us on the rooftop of the Pershing Hotel. Boy, that's a beautiful spot. So Kim, you are now, before we we go, as, as a way of introducing our interview with Wade, I want you to explain to us what the Pershing Hotel is very quickly. Very quickly. Well, if you've ever gone down Main Street, especially on our bus, we've definitely pointed out to you this beautiful circa 1888 uh, bay-windowed San Francisco-style two-story structure there on the corner of Fifth and Main. Oriole. Oriole is the word. I never use that word. But it's it's a gorgeous building. It's um, storefront below, hotels above. Over the years, it was stitched together. Several different buildings became Charnock the block, Ch- Charnock Block. Hotel uh, Roma. Well, originally it was the Charnock Block. Then it became the Pershing Hotel. The Hotel Roma was attached. They they all got holes punched through them. Hey, holes punched through them in the old days. And this multi-level building with floors that were, weren't actually at the same place same level on, on the, the adjacent buildings, became a single hotel that was a, adapted for low-income housing, and the decision was made to fix it up further, and that's when it got a facadectomy. And if you've been up and down Main Street in the last couple of years, you've seen this gorgeous facade held up by these massive pillars of steel. It's been an extraordinary thing. You were able to peek inside and, and see straight across the expanse, and, and you can't anymore because now inside is a brand new structure with, uh, what, about 80 units? Yeah. Yeah, and um, mostly for newly uh, people who are newly off the streets, which is an extraordinary thing. There's a lot of social service aid available within the building. The storefronts are going to be developed. It's unclear how. There's probably going to be some community space, beautiful garden space on the rooftop with extraordinary views of the Ross, the twin Rosslyn hotels and City Hall up the way, and, and then this uh, terrific yeah. light well in the yeah. center where they're doing plantings. It's, it's a great place to get off the street, and it's, we're so happy this building survives. We are, and so let's take it away with our interview with Wade. 
wait, wait, I'm here with you. We're on the rooftop of the Pershing Hotel at 5th and Main, and I want you to properly introduce yourself and tell us your role in this beautifully renovated uh, late 19th century structure. Um, my name is Wade Killifer. I'm uh, principal at Killifer Flamang Architects. We were the uh, architects for the reconstruction of this fantastic uh, building, the Pershing Hotel, and uh, we're really delighted with how well it came out. It's a great, it's a great palette to start with, and, and we had a good time trying to uh, make it even better. Perfect. Let's um, start at the beginning. Let's just give people a sense of, because it's an audio podcast, this is a, a late 19th century structure, uh, originally called the Charnock Block. Mr. Charnock built it, we think, around 1888, 1887. The building records were lost, so this is one of these great un- unknowns. But about then, um, do you want to describe the, 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 the San Francisco Bay architecture that makes up this, this facade, just quickly? Well, I, I don't know what... Um... Historians have had fun trying to debate what kind of architecture there's actually here. It's it's sort of a a, 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 a Queen Anne run amok. Yeah. Um, it, it's a, a brick building, and it has these very extravagant uh, bays that pop out and uh, hang out over the street and give it its character. It's really terrific. It's a it's a three sto- originally it's a three story structure four four story structure. Um, it's a uh, it was, it's complicated, it was uh, two stories with a mezzanine, so it's three levels, but uh, two stories. Okay. Let's keep working our way forward. Um, the the Charnock block over the, the, the decades became merged with the Hotel Roma. Do you just want to, when, let's just try and look at this before World War II. This was a, a, a rabbit's warren of, of buildings that had been connected. Yeah, it was... Um, it had been a pharmacy, it, going back through the, all the historical, it, Owl uh, Drugs was here for a long time. There are a lot of different uses, and then I guess after the war it was turned in, into a hotel. There were two buildings here that were combined, and then uh, the Roma Hotel, which is to the south, was added uh, to it. And uh, the, the floors didn't line up, so it really was a, a, a rabbit's horn. There were tiny little light courts. Uh, coming down where people would just dump their garbage, uh, and it was uh, kind of a mess. And then in the uh, in 1988, the uh, Community Redevelopment Agency realized that a lot of these old buildings were being torn down, and they supported the reconstruction and fixing these things up to be SRO hotels. So at that point, uh, Jim Bonner, who was the architect for uh, LA, the Los Angeles Community Design Center at the time uh, came in and they fixed these things up the best they could and there were 69 apartments here uh, for a long time. The, the, the style of rooms, the, 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 in those days the hotels uh, were very tiny rooms with uh, little tiny uh, bathrooms down the hall. SSSRO, right. uh, single room occupancy. Right. Uh, and so as Skidrow Housing Trust, who owned it then and now owned it, they're, uh, they're fixing up some of their old buildings. The, now all of these units are nice, spacious studios, handicapped accessory bathrooms in the rooms, kitchenettes. So it's a whole different uh, approach to uh, taking care of homeless folk. Perfect. Um, 
there for for your reconstruction for for those of us watching the salient aspect of your remodel was the dramatic propping up of the facade and and the complete reconstruction of these two buildings which which had been joined very strangely over the years do you quickly want just want to talk about um the propping up of the facade and and, and the reorganization and the uh, stairway which which you put back in place approximately yeah the, the obviously uh the buildings are one of the real treasures of downtown los angeles being probably one of the earliest things that's still standing um and so the facade was very important we we saved the corner building and and the facade and we did that by sinking huge steel beams into the sidewalk in front of the building and using that to brace the facade and keep it up during construction yeah it was very dramatic yeah, huge uh you know 24 or 36 inch uh steel beams perfect um get us to now get us the uh, Bring us up to speed over the last six months. A lot of stuff has been happening. People have moved in. This is just it's, uh, the 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 landscaping's coming in next week. This is just a, still a very exciting time for this project, still in its infancy in terms of people coming in and occupying. Right. We we need for financing reasons. We needed to get our temporary occupancy permit in uh, last year. So right at the last minute, we finally got all of the hurdles cleared, and now the contractors just finishing up the little things that always uh, lag behind uh, we're sing- uh, next week we're going to crane in some giant bamboo to put down into the uh, courtyard and there's some large planters up on the roof we're, we're on the roof right now on the fourth floor roof uh, there's uh, big planters for community gardens so uh, the skitter the trust does a really good job of supporting their residents and and, and growing their own food it's a part of their their whole program. Yeah, it's this is this is a fantastic group. Do you just just for this for, just on general principle, Do you want to remind me the name of the 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 plastic stub that oh, that whole? Yeah, I'm completely obsessed with these. There are uh, the 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 decking is held. Up, we have uh, concrete pavers for the deck up here on the roof, and holding the uh, the pavers up are an adjustable product called Bison screw jacks which allow you to do nice concrete pavers on top of a sloped roof. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, just to wrap this up, we're, this is, we're at Fifth and, this is gorgeous, we're at Fifth and Main, the twin Rosalinds are across the street. Uh, I, yeah. Well, Sig- me, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And, and yeah. next door is the uh, new Genesis, which we also did. Uh, and uh, if you look, as, as we are at the Roslyn Hotel, on the uh, west side, west side of the street, the the, the the original one, the original one, or the new Genesis on on the east side of the street, and they have the same architecture, the the Beaux Arts forms of the base, the, the column, and the and the top, and so we played off of the Roslyn when we did the new Genesis, but it's fun having done work on two corners, uh, historic corners in the city. It's it's absolutely gorgeous, and as I'm looking over your shoulder, I can see the the Mercantile Arcade, which is a project you worked on. Now we the did, radio, we, radio we, yeah. We've done uh, a lot of old buildings downtown, and the arcade was certainly a fun and challenging one. And it's good that now they're finally getting some good retail on the ground floor, um, and it's fun to see that coming back to life. 
I, I, I think, I think we did it. This is, this is a great building. I so appreciate your time in talking to us about this. Thank you very much. My name is Casting Kansteiner. I am here in Berlin Bistro in Long Beach, and you are listening to You Can't Eat the Sunshine. Donald, Donald, I'm here with you. We're, uh, we're, we're in the Spring Arcade, actually. And uh, we're going to talk today. We're gonna, this is going to be our compliment to my interview with, with Wade, whom you've worked with extensively, and we'll get to that. Uh, we agreed. Um, we're going to get started with this interview by you explaining uh, the birth of Skid Row, as we know it. And that will let us jump into um, the series' role in um, stemming the loss of affordable housing in Skid Row and the creation of nonprofits, and that's sort of our arc. So let's get started with you telling us about the birth of Skid Row. Okay, thank you. The uh, the Skid Row area began to emerge in the 1870s when the railroads first came into Los Angeles, and as a result of the railroads coming in and having a terminal here, and the fact that a lot of the activity, uh, commercial activity, industrial activity, was uh, seasonal, there was a need for hotels to serve passengers, to serve railroad workers, and to serve these uh, seasonal workers. And so that began the generation of a large number of hotels that initially simply surrounded the train stations, which were at 4th and Santa Fe and 6th and Santa Fe. And then they progressed as the area grew further toward the downtown, which was half a mile away at Main Street and Spring Street. The area also began to develop at that time industrially. But because the nature of the people coming to work in Los Angeles tended to be single young males, and as a result of that there were a lot of things like brothels and bars and so forth, the temperance movement picked up on the need to come into this area to provide the clean living alternative. And they became the initial base of the network of missions that then were established in the area. So the network of hotels and the network of social service entities both, both traced to the coming of the railroads in the 1870s. By the 1930s, the area had ceased to be largely a place of commercial hotels and was starting to take on the nature of being a residential neighborhood. And this was very much exacerbated by the migration of people to Los Angeles during the Great Depression. It came to Los Angeles, uh, which was seen as being the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, looking for uh, a new life, a new job. And some simply lived in the railroad yards, others ultimately began to settle into the hotels. By the 1960s, there had been very little renovation or even maintenance in many of these hotels. And so the city began to be very concerned about the physical conditions. And and starting in the mid-60s, approached the various owners here and said, your buildings date to the late 1800s, they don't meet seismic codes, they don't meet fire codes, you've got to upgrade the buildings to meet current codes. And if I can interrupt you, mm-hmm. there, there were fires. I mean, there, yes. th- th- these, these, it wasn't just like, we think this might happen. There were, there, there, there were a lot, they were, they were getting a lot of fires. Yes, yes. And uh, as a result of that, because the nature of a repair or order gives the option to demolish, A lot of the owners, looking at the cost structure of the buildings, looking at how much a renovation might cost, and looking at the rents they were getting, said, it's not worth it to me, I'm going to simply demolish the buildings. So from the early to mid-60s until the mid-70s, roughly half the housing stock 
was eliminated by owners demolishing, and that's when the city really took notice. In uh, 1975, the redevelopment plan for the downtown was adopted, and as part of the redevelopment plan, which incorporated virtually all of downtown Los Angeles, including the Skid Row and industrial districts, the city made the decision that rather than what was going on in almost every other city in the country where skid rows were simply being cleared, there would be positive action to retain the remaining housing stock, to try to stabilize it, and to create a sound neighborhood that would serve very low-income individuals, people who are at or beyond the last resort of housing. And so CRA was charged with carrying out that program that included finding a way to acquire, rehabilitate, and run the hotels. Right. To do that, initially the CRA began taking funding um, to buy the hotels and to start promoting the renovation of the hotels at, at that time at a very low level, just bringing them up to size and making fire code, and created a nonprofit, the SRO Housing Corporation, Single Room Occupancy Housing Corporation, specifically to do that on behalf of the CRA. And it, okay, it, I'm going to interrupt you because this is really important. So this the CRA goes ahead and creates a non-profit model to stem right. the loss of affordable housing in Skid Row well, in the mid-1970s. On its own, to stem the loss, the non-profit was the mechanism to run the hotels yes, right. once they were retained. Right, okay. So the, the concept was CRA will pay to acquire, CRA will pay to rehabilitate, CRA will not operate. CRA needs an entity to operate and right. thus created the SRO Housing Corporation to be that entity on its behalf. Um, subsequent to that, two religious institutions uh, got together and created an entity called Church and Temple Housing Corporation. And that ultimately evolved into the Skid Row Housing Trust, which is the second large nonprofit that's undertaking the acquisition and rehabilitation and operation of hotels, also using the CRA model of funding for acquisition and rehabilitation. And from that time forward, the earlier 80s up until uh, right now, uh, the last of the CRA-funded projects are underway. About a little over 60% of the total housing stock has been taken over in that mechanism. The buildings either rehabilitated or, if they were beyond rehabilitation, replaced by new construction. So roughly two-thirds of the housing stock, and the current housing stock is around 6,500 units, are under the control of one or another nonprofit entity and are under long-term covenants to preserve them as affordable housing. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So this is where Wade comes into the picture. So you worked mm -hmm. with Wade right. a number of pro a, a, a number of projects. Let's just pick let's start with the senator though. The, okay. and, and the senator is interesting because what happened at the senator <clears throat> is what Wade we just interviewed Wade about the Pershing Hotel. The same Wade did the same thing at the Pershing Hotel. Right. So let's start with the senator and that will just tie us straight into our interview with Wade. Okay. The Senator Hotel, which is on South Spring Street, uh, south of Seventh Street, was an old residential hotel that was seriously in need of, of rehabilitation. In fact, it, it looked as if it was beyond the point of rehabilitation. So the plan initially was to simply demolish the hotel and, and build new housing on the site, which in fact was done on an adjacent property. Because the building was actually within the historic district, the decision was made that it made more sense from the integrity of the community to at least retain the facade of the building. So the facade of the building was retained on the Spring Street side, 
The building behind it was removed and completely replaced with new construction, affordable housing, small unit right. housing. Perfect. Okay. And this is exactly what has just happened at the Pershing Hotel, which is a project Wade is, Wade is just finishing up. Right. And, and Wade is an expert on uh, particularly renovation of housing and the creation of affordable housing, those two areas. And he's done a number of projects for loft conversions of commercial buildings. Uh, in addition to his affordable housing. The um, Pershing and the Roma are two small hotels that were architecturally very significant, and the, they're, they're actually going through their second renovation. Right, 1988 was right. the first renovation. And that was a straightforward renovation. The, the buildings themselves were kept, the interiors were, were upgraded to code, and they were operated as, uh, as affordable housing for several years. And this was these were rehabilitated under the CRA model of Acquisition Correct. and then run by a nonprofit Correct. agency. Right. Now, the, the second round is that we're recognizing there is a continuing need for affordable housing. There is also more and more difficulty finding sites for housing. Yeah. So, a decision was made that in, the, in this particular case, because of its location on Fifth Street, which is the center of where much, much of the housing is located, it really made sense to create a larger pool of affordable housing. Recognizing that the buildings themselves did have historic merit, though, the decision was made similar to what was done with the Senator, to preserve the historic exteriors of the buildings and then build new affordable housing at substantially greater numbers than, than the units that were in the original buildings. Right. And that project is underway. Right. And so, and we saw this with Wade at the Pershing Hotel, 5th mm -hmm. and Main. They retained the facade, put up a giant $200,000 moment frame right. on the sidewalk, mm -hmm. 16 inches thick of the facade was just suspended. And they went in and they rebuilt all new units with the beautiful courtyard and right. they, did, they did, an, it's an amazing job. Right. And, and this is all part of, of the CRA concept, which is not only to retain affordable housing, but to expand the supply of affordable housing and create amenities in the community so that the Skid Row area, as much as possible, becomes a more stable residential community for the people living there. Perfect. Okay. Let's take just one aside, because mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an aside that I think people will find interesting. You've done work with Wade in another scenario, the Old Bank District. Yes. Do you just, I know this is, is a bit off topic, but it's, it's just, it's a block away, and mm -hmm. it's a beautiful structure, and you were crucial to the old bank district deal. No, I had a do hand you, in it. You, 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 had, you, had, you had a hand. Do you yes. just want to, because it is a Wade project, do you just want to tell us about the old bank district deal and sort of the, the, okay. the birth of, mm -hmm. of, of the old bank district, which is sure. really important to downtown? Sure. sure. Um, and Wade was involved in an analysis that um, predated the adoption of the Liverwork Ordinance that made it possible, the Adaptive Reuse Ordinance, that made it possible to renovate easily, more easily, older buildings that had been commercial but were largely vacant. And so uh, that resulted with Wade's participation in the adoption of the Adaptive Reuse Ordinance in 1999. Shortly thereafter, Tom Gilmore came to the Redevelopment Agency with a concept of starting a loft conversion of a number of buildings, including the buildings that were part of the Security Pacific uh, Farmers and Merchants Bank complex at 4th and Main, uh, an office building at the corner of 4th and Spring that historically was 
the last building built before the city put a height limit right. on office buildings that didn't come off until the 60s, and uh, an adjacent um, uh, hotel. And that entire complex was to be the first project done under the uh, Adaptive Reuse Ordinance. When he came to us, the corner building, uh, the high-rise Continental Building, was at the point of practically being sold for failure to pay taxes. And so CRA took the step of, of inserting itself, preventing the tax sale, paying off the taxes, and taking control of the building so it could be turned over to, uh, to Gilmore to facilitate the balance of the project moving forward. He then sought to get primarily federal funding under a number of programs that were then available. And in which sense, immediately after it stopped being available. Right. Yeah. Uh, that allowed both the commercial rehabilitation of the ground floors and the residential conversion of the upper floors. Feds came to the city and said, okay, city, we're interested in this project, but we want to know the city has participated, and how much have you put into this project? And we stepped up and said, well, we did the initial $300,000 to save the building to be part of this complex because of its very strategic location at the corner of 4th and Spring at the Hinge of all the other buildings who are part of the complex. And on the basis of the fact that CRA had taken that first step, the federal government was willing to sign the agreements that financed the balance of the project. And that was the first, um, completed in 2000, I believe, yeah. the first uh, live-work project by conversion under the Adaptive Reuse Ordinance. Fantastic. And, that, and that's, for most people listening, that's the birth of modern downtown as we know it. That's right. And since since then, there have been about 7,500 units built through the adaptive reuse ordinance and conversion of historic buildings that took buildings that were derelict, had been vacant in many cases for decades, and put them back into productive use. Yeah. And uh, Eastern Columbia being one of them, which is another <clears throat> Wade project. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, we did it. Okay. We did it. As as always, your mm-hmm. insight is appreciated. <laughs> and I know Wade's going to be happy to be on the okay, same good. episode of you. Great. And, and I want to thank you. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good afternoon. My name is Ken Pratt. I'm here as the director of Los Angeles Union Station for property management for Metro. And you're listening to You Can't Eat the Sunshine. And we're done. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to our podcast for the week of March 16, 2015. Our guests this week were Wade Kellifer. He is a principal at Kellifer and Flamang. They are architects who have worked extensively in rehabilitating and restoring uh, historic buildings in downtown Los Angeles. And also Donald Spivak, Wade's old friend and someone he's worked with over the decades. Donald Spivak is former Deputy Director of Policy and Operations for the Community Redevelopment Agency of Los Angeles, which is a very long way of saying there is very little about downtown Los Angeles in the last 50 years that Donald cannot speak of with authority. And there, it's, it was, I'm so happy I um, was able to put them together because it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a great synergy. So that was our episode. I want to thank both of them for their time and attention. And, uh, Wade, it was great to meet Wade finally and Donald, of course. It's always great to have him back. It's just, it's such a pleasure. And um, Kim, let's, um, and so, Kim, let's, um, without without further ado, let's just, uh, we're on the home stretch here, let's bring us up to speed with some upcoming bus tours. 
Sure, we'd love to see you on the bus. And there's a bunch of fun tours coming up, sort of in a true crime vibe. We'll begin with March 21st, Pasadena Confidential, with Crimebo the Clown Tour, a tour about rocket science, black sex magic, and other fun things that go on behind the high hedges of old Pasadena. We're debuting my brand new collaboration with you, Richard. It's kind of my tour. It's kind of yours. It's called Hollywood That's on March the 28th. Well, the true crime and the weird stuff and the old people who used to walk those streets, that's my baby. But, Richard, you're taking us into some extraordinary buildings for the walking tour portion. And that's really going to be a, a, a love letter to the place I grew up in. And I'm very excited about that tour. It's filling up. We'd love to see you on the bus. Got a week off, and then we're back again on, well, yes, we are. April the 11th, and we'll be downtown. In fact, if you want to see that Pershing Hotel for yourself, you could probably get on the Hotel Horrors and Main Street Vice tour, where we'll be going to a lot of hotels. We don't go into that hotel, because that's, that's sort of a secure building, but we will be going into some beautiful historic lobbies and talking about the old street life, the culture of vice and delight and sometimes terror along Old Main Street and Broadway. Very fun tour. On April the 18th, it's our most popular crime bus tour, The Real Black Dahlia. That is definitely filling up, as it always does. Come and walk with us in the footsteps, or right on the bus, rather, of uh, Elizabeth Short, the victim in what remains the most notorious unsolved murder in Los Angeles history. Learn about how William Randolph Hearst actually ran a better investigative unit than the LAPD, but it's okay, because the LAPD and the newspapers work together. Gee, that'd be neat if they could do that again. Hmm, maybe not. Echo Park Book of the Dead is a new crime bus tour. This is our second excursion. It's April the 25th. Come and see the lost lore of the old streetcar suburbs. We'll go inside Sister Amy Semple McPherson's beautiful house museum, which does contain the most beautiful bathroom in Los Angeles that you can't use but you can look at, and learn about some of the tortured, tormented, and doomed residents of neighborhoods like Elysian Heights, Angelino Heights, Echo Park, Silver Lake what have you. On May the 2nd, we get out of the crime bus and into the lit bus. It's Charles Bukowski's Haunts of a Dirty Old Man, a tour about finding the voice within you that is great, which takes us from old Skid Row which and Bunker Hill. Which is great. Which is great. The voice within you, which is great, which takes you from old Bunker Hill through East Hollywood and to some really delightful zones of creation, inspiration, and inebriation. May the 9th, it's Raymond Chandler's Los Angeles, a tour which also contains Hollywood and downtown portions, and it's about Chandler as a young man inventing himself as an Angelino and as a mature man in Hollywood being tortured as all great writers were when they entered the studio system. And a little later in May, we have our once-a-year bus adventure with my compadre, David Smay, with whom I wrote several music books. It's called Tom Waits, Los Angeles, Crawling Down Coanga, a tour of downtown and Echo Park and Hollywood locations that figure prominently in the life and creative work of the singer-songwriter Tom Waits. And uh, that tour is always so much fun to give, and I would love to see you on the bus. Spread the word to your Tom Waits-loving friends, and we'll see you there. Kim, we did it. Okay? Mm -hmm. We got through it somehow. Another ep episode 101. Woo! So, on that note, I want to I wanna thank everyone for listening. I want to I ask you to continue to listen, and I want to remind you... You can't eat the sunshine. You can't eat the sunshine, but you can make a beeline for the best of the coastline. La 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 la. Skid Row, Solano Canyon, the Doria, and Pico Union, the long lost neighborhood called Hermina between South Pass and Highland Park, Grand Central.